beginning in verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 12 for our text. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called. I want to preach to you tonight with the help of the Lord on a message entitled, The Fight of My Life. The Fight of My Life. Let us pray. Reverend Hill, sir, would you please pray over our message and messenger. Amen, amen. You may be seated. From the time that we were born, we have been engaged in fights. May have been from the very time that you exited your mother's womb. You had to leave that nice, warm, quiet place into that cold area where all those nurses and doctors were, and you fought to get that first breath. Perhaps even as you grew and you had brothers and sisters, and they had the toy that you wanted and never would give it to you, and you had to fight to get a chance to play with that toy. Or maybe if there were enough family members and siblings, you had to fight for the attention of your mother or your father. Then, of course, when we went to school, we all had the various schoolroom, school uh, yard fights, dealing with bullies, dealing with people that wanted to harass us or take our stuff, or maybe you were the bully, I don't know. And so you just had to get fought because others were defending themselves. Maybe even as you aged and you matured and you exited school, there were still fighting for the next position or the next promotion. Or maybe you had to fight for that one that had caught your eye. Or maybe even a physical fist fights, barroom brawls. Hopefully you haven't had too many of them recently. But our pastor once told us, Pastor Davis, now he's gone on to be with the Lord, that the hardest thing you ever do is to make the rapture of the church. In so many words, he was telling us, there is a fight that we've got to face. It's a fight more serious than any schoolyard rumble. 
Fight more serious than any sibling rivalry. Fight more serious than even the one that secured your spouse. It's a fight for your soul and for eternity. I'm afraid sometimes we lose sight of the seriousness of this fight, which is one of the tactics that the devil uses most successfully. For if he can lull us to sleep, he can choke us out. If he can get us to understand or get us somehow to believe that there's no serious danger, we can lower our guard. I was listening to a guy talk. He was a uh, great big muscle-bound dude, had played uh, baseball and was, pro- was slated to be this professional baseball player, ended up getting injured and, and was quite successful in tennis and some other things. And, but he had a buddy that was very good at Brazilian jiu-jitsu, martial arts. And he wanted his buddy to train him. And so he said, well, the first thing you got to learn is you always have to keep your guard up. He said, I want you always, no matter what, to keep your guard up. He said, okay. He said, and they started fighting. And the the guy that was training him just kind of gave him a few uh, easy blows. And and the man that was being trained thought it was kind of hard. And then the man said, hey, are you ready for me to go full force? And he said, well, yes. And at that moment, he dropped his guard. The guy kicked him and knocked him out. And as he was, or knocked him down anyhow, and as he was waking him up and getting him back up, he said, what did I tell you? Never drop your guard. Never drop your guard. And that is a lesson not just for fighting, but uh, in in the natural realm. That's a lesson for us in the spiritual realm. The Bible tells us the devil is ever looking. He's stalking around, seeing whom he may devour. We've got to constantly keep our guard up. And if we become lulled to sleep by the siren song of the world, if we become spiritually drowsy by comfort and ease, if we forget that I've got to discipline this flesh, if we forget that we've got to earnestly yearn every day to strive to be more of what God wants us to be and refuse to just atrophy into a dried up withered old has been. If we forget that, we become an easy target for the devil. Saints, we've got to rise up because we are in the fight of our life. And I wanted, I could have named it different things, the fight of our lives. But it applies to me just as much as to you. I've got to fight. You've got to fight. In our youth, we must fight youthful lusts. The Bible tells us that we are to flee them. And youthful lusts are not just the physical lusts, the temptations, the sexual uh, attractions, although that is definitely part of them. But they are the lust. The youth says that their way is the right way. Youth says, uh, don't try to uh, instruct me or make me to uh, submit myself to anybody. There is a great pride in youth, a great pride of beauty or intellect. And we must be careful to not allow those things to destroy us. Flee 
youthful lusts. In our youth, the Bible said, remember the Lord thy creator in the days of thy youth. What was he saying? In your young age, develop that dependence upon God. When you've got things going for you, you still have your strength and your beauty, your hairline and your figure. You still got the hope in front of you in years, as far as you know, to live. Then develop that that relationship with the creator because though things may be fine, hunky-dory for you now, there will be times you will face challenges. There will be times you will face setbacks. There will be times you will face the enemy. There will be times that you will face a fight and you've got to have something and someone to back you up in this fight. It is the fight of our life. When we become slack, we become undisciplined. As they said years ago, casualness breeds casualties. Being casual breeds casualties. We must fight. Fight temptation. Resist. Whether it be the physical temptation of somebody offering us to to do something we know is wrong, or whether it be the mental temptation to harbor a certain wrong line of thinking towards somebody in our mind. Something that we can go to whenever we feel like we've been wronged. And we can turn to that and kind of a, a feast upon this little bit of, a, of a, a nastiness that's hidden away in our heart. Well, you know, that brother, he never did make it right with me. Well, that sister, you know, she's not, she's not as special as she thinks she is. And whenever you get offended or you get blown out of the water or you get the corrected, you go back to that same old thing. And it shows that you've never repented of it because it's still there. We have to flee youthful lust. We have to make sure that in our youth, in our beginning days of Christianity, we develop a strong dependence on God. I need you, Jesus. I need you today. I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. I don't know who I might come across in the next few days. I need you to give me the right words to speak to them. I need you to give me the, the, the boldness to open up my mouth. I need you to help me, God, so I take in the right things, so I'll be spiritually minded and not degenerate into, into just the, the routine of flesh and, and physical working and sleeping and eating and caring for the myriad things that we have to do as human beings. God, don't let me just be a flesh Bound a sack, a carcass of of body and and uh, bones and blood. I don't want to be that way. I'm a spirit. I'm a soul. I'm a child of God. And I've got to fight to maintain the beauty, the magnificence, the integrity of the purpose that God has given us. We must fight against temptation. We must fight against the devil. Temptation is one of his ploys. We must fight against the flesh because comfort kills. I saw recently, there's a great big muscle-bound dude. He was the owner of the gym, and he was spotting. To be a spotter means you're the guy that stands behind the other guy lifting weights just in case he can't do it. The spotter will swoop in and keep you from that weight falling on you and hurting you. 
Well, the owner of the gym, the spotter, I mean, he, his muscles had muscles. He was just a big, big dude. And the guy that was doing the, the bench press, he was a big dude too. And he got down there and he was pushing. He said, and he, as he pushed the weight, he said, yep, that's the same weight I did last week. And the big muscle-bound gym owner said this. He said, well, why are you lifting the same weights that you lifted last week? You won't get any stronger doing that. You've got to add some weights to the bar. You can't continue pushing the same thing and expect to get stronger. You've got to increase the challenge for your muscles to grow. And that's why some Christians begin to die. Because in their youth, they're pushing 5 or 10 pounds of spiritual weight. And then they get up to maybe they're pushing 100 pounds of spiritual weight. And that's good as a brand new Christian. You're praying, you're going to church, you're reading your Bible, you're inviting somebody out to church. But once you get there and you pat yourself on the back, you taper out and you plateau. And there, when you should continue to grow, you stay there. And since you're not growing, you actually end up going down. Because instead of developing old man strength or senior saint strength or uh, seasoned sister strength, you're, going to, you're looking back and saying, well, I'm still lifting what I was lifting back then. But you've been living 20 more years. You've been, you've been serving God 20 more years. And you're still doing, some aren't even doing what they did 20 years ago. We have to fight against that. The devil fights us, and then the flesh fights us. Why are you lifting the same weight that you lifted last week? You won't get any stronger doing that. Paul understood that. That's why he said, I must keep under my body. There's a little portion in the Bible. It's kind of strange. Paul was on a ship, and they landed. I can't remember the first port they landed. But as they landed... Uh, I don't want to say it wrong. So, but they landed at one port, and some of his companions were on the ship. And Paul said, hey, listen, you guys go ahead on the ship. I'll meet you at Assos. And instead of Paul taking the ship to Assos, he took the path to Assos. So whereas the other guys were just sitting on the ship, and they were riding the ship, sitting back, you know, Drinking iced tea with the little umbrellas in it. <laughs> Sitting back on the, on, on the deck uh, playing shuffleboard or whatever else. Paul was walking, going through that, that hard area. It was a rough road to go to Assos. And you want to ask the question, well, Paul, why did you do that? Why did you choose to take that rough road? And perhaps it was because Paul understood, I can't let this flesh get so comfortable and so undisciplined. I've got to keep under my body. I've got to keep this flesh under subjection. I've got to, as we said in our affirmations, Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I am disciplined. Why? Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. You remember that one? Christ, I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. And the wrong desires may be just fleshly desires. I mean, eight hours of sleep is good. 10, 12, 13, 14, 16, that's not so good. Amen. So Paul was taking the hard road to be hard on the flesh. Perhaps, perhaps it was because he was looking for opportunity to share Christ with somebody. Perhaps because he wanted to be alone and walk with God. He was fighting the devil. He was fighting flesh. Listen, 
We are fighting the devil. We are fighting flesh. But we are also fighting time. We're fighting time. Time is ticking. Our days are turning to weeks. They're turning to months. And the years of the calendar are being, are being uh, uh, flipped. And we can look back, and I, I don't know about you, but it seems like my high school years were just a, a few years ago. But they've been a whole lot more than a few years ago. Time just ticks, and it goes so quickly. And I've got to realize, yes, I'm fighting the devil, and yes, I'm fighting the flesh, but I'm fighting against time too. Because I'm not guaranteed a forever. And so sometimes people think, well, I'm going to do more for God at this time in my life. When my child is, is out of the house. Or some brand new parents might say, I'll do more for God when my child goes to school. Or I'll do more for God when this, this, uh, uh, this thing that I've been doing is done. Or I'll do more for God when it's summertime. Or I'll do more for God when it's springtime. And it's always this in the future. And then we look back and we say, but what have I done for God in all of these seasons? How many people have I touched? How many souls have I made an impact with? One day, sister, one day, brother, one day, we're going to stand before God. And when we stand before God, the question is, what did you do with the time? The wisdom, the grace that was given to you. Well, God, I paid my tithe and I attended church. Is that it? Well, God, I, I, I picked someone up begrudgingly every now and then. Is that all? We thank God for it. But we're fighting against time. How many more days do we have? If we're going to do something for God, sister, we've got to do it now. If we're going to reach our city for God, you can't put it off anymore. You can't wait until you're healthy or wait until you're younger. You're not getting younger. Amen. I hope that you're healthy, but you may not be getting any healthier. You might as well serve God in your sickness. Serve God in your old age. Serve God in your youth. Serve God in your, in your poverty. Serve God in your richness. Serve God when you got time. Serve God when you don't have time. Amen? We're fighting the devil. We're fighting the flesh, and we're fighting time. And we've got things aimed against us. The worldly system is not your friend. It mocks God. It makes fun of God. It tells you there is no God. It says that everything that's holy is is wrong. Well, they're bigoted. Or they're they're against uh, 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 freedom or against love because they say that people that love themselves shouldn't get married. Well, yes, if they love the same sex, no, we don't believe they should get married. Amen? No, we're not, we're not the party of Moloch that offers our children up as sacrifices to the devil. Amen? No, we, we don't believe in abortion. No, that's not, that's not what a Christian, a Christian just believes that when a man and woman comes together and a baby is conceived, that that baby, that innocent baby that God has given life ought to have a right to be born. 
We must fight. Fight to stay pure. Fight against the devil, against flesh, against time. The worldly system is set up to defeat us. The enemy in my soul is fighting against us. The unsaved mock, fight against us, try to dissuade us from our fervor. They'll say things like, you don't need to go to church all the time. It's too cold. Wait till next week. Next week it'll be too hot. It'll rain. It'll be too nice. The worldly system says, God understands. You've got a party to go to. Or you've got to work overtime. Or you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And slowly but surely, you were in church Sunday morning. Why do you need to be back Sunday night? God knows you've got problems in your body. God knows you got problems with your bills. God knows you got this and you got that and you got the other. Yes, we all got stuff going on. But that's why we fight against that. Because when a brother sees you with your physical problems and your old age and your bills saying, you know what, God is so important to me. I'm going to lay aside those things. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to go to the house of God when I got a headache, when my back's hurting, when my body's weak. And I'm just going to believe God to touch me and heal me. And I just believe that God's bigger than the boss, man. He's bigger than the people that supply for me. My God can supply all of of my needs. Amen. We have to fight. These things are fighting against us, but I don't want to leave you on that part because we have those that are fighting for us. We sometimes sing that song and the great grandstand. He said there are Moses and the prophets that are shouting, come on, you can make it if you try. And I hope that that song hasn't just become words that you rehearse. I hope that when times when we sing that song, you begin to see Moses up there. Maybe he's lifting up his rod saying, come on, brother. Come on, sister. I hope sometimes you see Joseph up there who in his youth uh, withstood temptation to sleep with his boss's wife and said, I can't sin against God. I hope you are up there sometimes hear him saying, listen, I stayed pure. God helped me. He can help you too. I hope sometimes you see some of those up there. Moses, who went through all the hard time, rejected by his own people, had to deal with a bunch of folks that that were murmuring and complaining and disgruntled. He knew what it was like being a pastor. Amen? Folks complaining about him. And Moses is saying, come on, brother. Come on, sister. Don't you give up. Don't let the haters and the negative folks get to you. Amen? Don't let them get you down. You keep on running. You keep on going forward. They're watching you. They'll respect you in the end when you don't give up, when you don't turn back. You just keep on going. There are those in the great grandstand shouting, come on. In the book of, I believe it's Hebrews, he said, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What do they tell us? We made it. You can too. Man, that's good. You know, sometimes, in, in, I was talking to William recently, he's a young man. I said, listen, there's times in, in your life things are going to happen. People that you love are going to let you down. People that you care about are going to walk away from God. And I remember, I remember a time when I got home from, I was in Bible college and I got back. And there was a letter. And the letter was informing us that a minister that I had highly respected 
had committed uh, immorality and had been disfellowshipped from the organization. And I went, I went back somewhere and just cried. That was hard. I'd listened to him preach and the Spirit of God had moved. And now he had, he had somewhere along the line, he had stopped fighting. He had dropped his guard. He ended up out in the world and, and they were just telling us, hey, listen, he's not, he's not a, a preacher anymore. And that's hard to hear that. But in those times, you know what I did? I thought of others who were keep on, keeping on keeping on. I thought of others. I could think of my pastor, Pastor Davis. He kept on all the way to the end. Or Pastor Olson, he's still keeping on. We were in fellowship meeting in, uh, in, in Hopkinsville. And, and just recently, November 6th, I think it was, I celebrated my 35th year of being born again. And I was, man... That makes me feel good. God has kept me all these years. But I was, I was in Hopkinsville and I was fellowshipping with some brothers. He said, yep, me and brother so-and-so and so-and-so, man, we're working on 40 years. Man, that's encouraging to me, amen? Because I know something. In 40 years, you've been through some battles, amen? In 40 years, you faced some devils. In 40 years, you looked at the enemy in the eye. In 40 years, you've been knocked down, but you got back up again. In 40 years, uh, you've experienced the grace and mercy of God. Uh, And so I'm surrounded by a crowd of witnesses saying, hey, we made it to heaven. You can too. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare turn back. Don't you dare slow down. Don't you dare cool off. It's time to get hotter than you've ever been. It's time to crank it up uh, and say, I am in the fight of my life. I cannot go back. I cannot give up. I cannot cool off. I don't want to end up, a, like I said, a dried up, atrophied has-been. That's not God's intention. The Bible said that in the end of our, uh, that the, 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 the man of God is planted by the rivers of living water. And his trees shall not wither, and his fruit shall bring forth fruit in his season. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's the way we ought to be. Don't allow in your mind this idea, I'm going to get old and I'm going to get weak and I'm going to just cool off. I'm going to retire on a bench somewhere. Don't you dare. You got too much wisdom. You got too much experience. You got too much, you've experienced too much of the goodness of God. You ought to pour in. If you're an elderly sister, you ought to pour into some young sister. You're an elderly brother, you ought to pour into some young brother. You ought to take them sowing and show them how it's done. You ought to take them into a prayer meeting. Encourage them to come some Sunday afternoon. Bring them down to the altar. Lay your hands on them and say, God bless this sister. You protect her. Help her. Make her that woman of God. God bless this brother. Make him into a man of God. Keep him from the world. Keep them from the enemy. You ought to build a hedge around them. Come on, brother. You're not supposed to just sit back there. Come on, sister. You're not supposed to just cruise into heaven. Let me, let me just tone it down a little bit. I love you. Amen. But we can't sit back and let the devil pick off people and not do anything about it. Cool them off. Slip them into ice mode. We are not the first church of the frozen chosen. We are supposed to be fire. Amen. We've got the, the saints, the great cloud of witnesses. We've got the angels. The Bible said they are ministers to the heir of salvation. They're shouting, come on. The Bible said they look to see what's going on. 
Man, I don't want to show some angel that I'm a quitter, that I'm a give, that I, I, I'm a, a lukewarm individual. And besides that, I've got Jesus. Jesus cheering me on. I was in the Philippines. It was either late at night or early in the morning. And sometimes I'd go over to the church by myself. And I, I'd turn on some gospel music and begin to pray, have my own altar call. Amen. If you've never done that before, you ought to do it. It's a blessing. Listen to some of that music. And, and the one song, I think it was by the Poet Voices or something, it said, uh, Jesus was cheering me on. I just got that picture of Jesus saying, cheering me on. And you just get excited. I, Jesus is for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? God is for me. Jesus is for me. The Holy Ghost is in me, quickening me, strengthening me, guiding me. I've got God saying, don't you stop now. we got great things to do. Don't you give up now. We've got a whole city to reach. We've got a whole nation to impact for God. It's time to be the best soul winner we've ever been. It's time to catch on fire like we've never caught on fire before. And here's the thing, when you get invested in the work of God and reaching other people, soul winning, doing something for someone outside of you, you will find your greatest satisfaction yet. Better than six figures in the bank account. Amen? Amen. To see that sister, that brother, that person down at the altar getting born again. Recently, there's a a lady, I won't, because she's still around, but a lady, uh, came to church, had a lot of things going on in our life, a lot of health issues, a lot of family issues, was not a believer, came to church because of one thing, but we talked to her. And as we talked to her, she, uh, she got interested and came to Bible study, came to church service. And in, in one of the church services, she said, uh, and, and we talked to her in the office and shared with her about Christ and all these things, and, and, and she's got issues in her family. But one of those church services, she said, I feel like God just made it come alive tonight. I believe now. And she went from an unbeliever to a believer. And I, I don't know how much longer she has, how much longer any of us have, but that makes life worth living. And here's the thing. There's another lady just like that. Maybe your neighbor. Maybe the person you ride the bus next to. Maybe your customer. Maybe your client. There's another dude that you might see tomorrow at the bus stop or at the gas station or at the schnooks. May God help us to reach out to them, to persuade them, to get them to come to Christ. Brother, we are in the fight of our lives. Would you right now, would you stand, lift your hands as the musicians come and say, God, here I am. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to turn back. Lord, I'm going forward in you. I'm going to be what you want me to be. I know you know exactly what I have need of. And Lord, I'm thanking you.